Hey followers, this is your boy, Movie Maker Doug 55. Welcome to the first of 10 episodes of how we deal with our circumstances and creating a new future for yourself by being relentless and unstoppable regardless of your circumstances. I have a special guest with me today. His name is Andy McPhee and he's been my coach for the past five years. He's known for Criminal Minds TV series, Sons of Anarchy, Saving Mr. Banks, The Condemned, Animal Kingdom, and many more out of his 128 credits over the years. Welcome, Andy. Thanks, Doug, and hi to everyone uh, joining us on the first of our uh, 10 episodes. Just uh, quickly, I'll share a little bit about uh, myself. Yes, I've been an actor for over 30 years, do a lot of voiceover work, a lot of life coaching now uh, with actors and acting coaching. My career started out of having many, many different uh, jobs since I was 16 years old. But the one or two favourite jobs I had, one was an engineer on the railways in Australia, a locomotive engineman driving freight trains around like a, a little boy's dream to be a train driver. I didn't start my acting career till I was 38 years old. And that started because I was a professional wrestler. Uh, professional wrestling was just the best. And we did a commercial in Australia for Hungry Jacks. And uh, when I finished that commercial, I thought, wow, that is what a great career. And 30 years later, still here and blessed to now be meeting people like Doug and, and doing a lot of personal growth and development coaching uh, with people who, you know, have just changed their lives around and created amazing um, futures for themselves. And that's the purpose of this series is we're going to have some incredible guests on. We've got Kit Dale coming on. Kit, uh, two times world jiu-jitsu champion. Kit is still fighting, still training. His dream was to be relentless and unstoppable to be a world champion from a young teenager, and he did that. We have other people on who've gone through, you know, horrific uh, circumstances of losing loved ones, but they've created a future of them for themselves uh, created businesses where they're helping other people, uh, non-profit organisations. And Doug, the same, dealing with um, Asperger's and high-functioning and not being able to work in a regular job, dealing with depression and uh, anxiety. He has now created an incredible future for himself and he is currently rated on Amazon and I will let Doug tell you exactly where he's rated now. It's great achievement. Only notified in the last three days, Doug. Is that correct? Yes. At the moment, my book that I published last year about my depression, From Green Flags to Blue Flags 2, it's ranked number 5,301 on Amazon internationally as far as autism biographies. And in the United Kingdom, I'm ranked in the top 15. Wow, that's, that's such an achievement. Um, I think you should be coaching me. That's <laughs> right. No, and I'm serious too. I've, I, you've inspired me so much and I know that you'll inspire others. Uh, and, and, and the series is not necessarily about autism. It's about what you're dealt with in life and the circumstances or like we have an amazing other guest on in episode two, Richard Norton, incredible martial artist, a bodyguard to the most amazing people that he's met around the world, the Rolling Stones, Linda Ronstadt, um, David Bowie. And his dream as a young kid, he didn't realise that. He just went to a judo class one day and he loved it and then found a karate class um, and Goju Kai. And from that, many years later, he's a renowned martial artist, uh, actor, 
and stunt fight coordinator and just traveling the world doing something that he really loves. And it was all by a choice he made as a young kid. So whatever circumstances we're in, I am not for one minute saying that it's easy. It is not easy for a lot of us. Um, my journey is, is for another story for another day, but it's also, it's what we're willing to do and what we're willing to let go of. And I'm not saying the past can be let go of easily. I'm no expert. I'm not a psychologist or anything like that or an expert in the field of autism. But I know that with the people I've worked with and meeting people like Doug and our other guests coming on, if you're really willing to get out of that comfort zone, and I know we hear that all the time, but it's true. You get out of that comfort zone um, and become uncomfortable and grit your teeth and just go, I'm going to do this. And Doug, Doug is just one example of many what, what he's done. So, Doug, let's, let's go back to that first day of kindergarten when you were four and a half and just share with us what that was like for you and your excitement about going, you know, with your big brother. Finally, you're in the, the real world now of starting off in your schooling career. Very interesting question. On that day that I went to kindergarten for the first time, I was excited. I always like new experiences, but on the first day that I went, I realized that something was amiss about me because I was uneasy around crowds and I got bullied by a couple students. I'm not going to mention their names for privacy purposes, but they bullied me and I got into a couple physical altercations and the result was I had to take. Wow. And Doug, how did that feel for you? Like, I mean, I can remember back to when I was three and a half, four, um, and it probably a bit hard to understand at such a young age that you, you, it's like someone giving you a Christmas present and going, here you go. And then the end of that, they go, no, I'm taking it back. And no one tells you why. You go, what, what, what did I do? So what was that like for you? I hope that was a good analogy. Um, what was that like for you when you were told by your parents the next morning you're not going to school? I was puzzled because, first of all, they didn't specify why. And I didn't know what was amiss about me because, you know, they didn't tell me that I had Asperger's. They knew, but they didn't tell me because I wouldn't have understood even if I was told, you know, and I was mm -hmm. just puzzled. And I also was anxious because I wasn't too sure that I wanted to go back after that incident. Yeah. So that must have been very difficult at such a young age um, to be told you're not going to school and you didn't understand why. Now, Doug, when you went back to school on the third day, what was it like for you, like, personally, emotionally, um, honey, having been there one day and then told to stay home. So obviously the other kids in the, in the, in the class would have known that, you know, you were told to stay home. So what happened then? Were you made fun of? Was there any bullying? Um, what, what occurred for you? Yeah, there was quite a bit of bullying. Like, you know, there was, and other people kind of mocked me for not fitting in, but I'm not going to reveal their names, of course, but yeah, I was bullied, and this happened throughout my school years, all the way until I left the school district. And so, in that stage of four and a half, can you just give us very briefly, as you 
got older, five, six, seven, eight, what was that journey like for you? The bullying? Uh, when did you feel like, obviously anxiety and depression, it's not something very clear to a person such a young age, but you would have started getting those feelings somewhere. Where did they really start to show up for you between, say, that age of four and a half to, let's say, I don't know, eight years old, yeah? Yeah. As time went on, my feelings of sadness and depression started to layer up. There was one good year where I actually did enjoy school which was my fourth grade year in 2007 and eight, when I was in Trisha Wynn's class. That was the one good year I had in school district. But then things kind of went downhill and- uh, can, I, can I just butt in there? Sorry, but what, what was, why was that a good year? Like all the others were sort of, you're struggling with your academic studies, the bullying, but what made that a good year? What happened? First of all, that was, a, that was the one class that I was in where I was in with a lot of students that were very nice. And at the same time, I had a tremendous relationship with the instructor, Trisha Wynn. Okay. That, that's, one- sorry, that's, I just, uh, forgive me for butting in. I don't mean to be rude, but I, I just want to get it clear for the audience watching. Relationships is a big thing with autism. Correct? Correct. Like that, that's part of your dealing with you. You felt strange on that first day at kindergarten, like suddenly you realized being around people for whatever reason you didn't know made you anxious. But when you met someone where there was, especially your schoolmates, there was no judgment and the teacher created a great relationship for you. So moving back into that, how was your whole way of being during that year when everyone was accepting you, you felt comfortable around people? Yeah, that felt very great. And that's a school year that I wish I can do over and over again because I enjoyed mm. it. Wow. And what happened after that, Doug, moving to the next, uh, the next year? After that, I kind of, as I developed over time, I got into some troubles in future school years, some of my doing, but some not. And it resulted in me basically skipping a year of regular education and doing online education, which was in 2010 to 11. Okay. How old were you then? Uh, let me remember. I was, uh, I was either 11 or 12 at the time. Okay. And, was there any, and it's probably a little bit young too, I guess, but did you have any fears of uh, leaving school and what you're going to do for a career or, you know, what sort of work? Did that ever come up for you at such a young age? Not really. That was kind of in high school. You know, mm. we didn't really focus on building a career until high school. And I briefly returned to the school district in 2011 to 12, but then I moved to Florence, Arizona. Right. And that was, I think, because of your mum's uh, new career move, correct? She's a psychologist? She, that's correct. And okay. another reason we left was because the staff at our school district was good to work with, but my parents and them had some different ideas on how to get me through my education. So okay. That- and, that, and that's normal. I mean, that's just part of life. You know, the parents obviously especially mum being a psychologist and, you know, you being on that. Um, and, and I think if I'm correct, you're a sort of at the low level um, 
on the autism spectrum at that particular stage, weren't you? Like it wasn't high functioning at that young age. Correct. Okay. And so as you move through your career and obviously having the support of your parents and your mum, especially being so blessed that she was a psychologist, she was able to understand, uh, you know, autism. And when did they actually tell you that uh, you were uh, on the autism spectrum? They told me in 2008 when I was 10 years old. What did that mean to you? Well, I had been told about certain, uh, from certain people about the symptoms of autism. I didn't know what caused it, obviously, or about neurological mm. stuff. But, but when I learned I had autism, I was like, oh, now it makes sense. Okay, and thanks for sharing that. But did that leave you with anything? Did you suddenly even feel more anxious now that you go, oh, I'm different than other people? We, we know you're not, but did that come up for you like, wow, create more anxiety for you? To be honest, yes, it did. You know, I was satisfied that I was finally told, you know, and that they weren't going to, you know, sweep it under the rug and forget about it. But, you know, at the same time, I kind of felt like a failure because other students seemed to get through school easier than I did. Yeah, right. That must have been really tough, especially at such a, you know, a young age. Like, I don't know how you dealt with it, you know. Um, it, it would have been a mentally tough situation. And then I guess, too, as again, I said, I'm not an expert in this area, but... Uh, it must have been uh, difficult in any circumstance, like when you couldn't communicate with people or something happened at home, and we're not getting into your personal life at home, but even just small things that you might do at home, and, but it overloads onto you thinking you're the cause of all the problems that are going on around you, which is absolutely not, not true. But some of them you probably did cause, the minor ones, and not intentionally, it's just your reaction due to, you know, your functioning started to get higher as the anxiety and depression set in is that correct yeah that is correct so can you just let us know Doug once you headed from that age 11 12 um, onwards just share a little bit about that up to your high school years well my anxiety got out of control to the point that I was hospitalized at for the first time at Denver Children's Hospital in uh, 2010 and that was a rock bottom year for me a year that i wish i could redo if you know what i mean yeah and and look just going into that little area how, how are you now with your past have you have you sort of accepted that's what it is and now seeing that you are truly capable even though you're not in the workforce and we'll talk a bit about that later on uh what you've created for yourself now has that helped you let go uh, of that past, not that you're not going to forget it, but let go of not living in that anxiety and making yourself feel like I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, there's something wrong with me, knowing that that's just not true. Yeah, you know, I've built such a following on social media and, you know, not going to high school with the people that I grew up with was kind of tough, but, you know, it was meant to be. That's what God had planned for me. So. I'm now accepting that the past is the past. All I can do is just get on with it. 
Yeah, good on you, Doug. I must admit here, um, we did coach a lot on uh, big building Doug's. I've been coaching Doug for about five years. So what we worked on was building his social media, you know, getting out, connecting with people, sharing stories. And to be honest, um, I've been asking Doug how to build my social media now because he's killing it. <laughs> uh, that's really cool, Doug. I love it. Um, so what's it like when you're in crowds of people? Like as you got older into your teenage years and you had to go to, you know, uh, formal events or in large classes, what was that like for you? When I went to high school in Florence High School, the classes there were bigger than any other classes previously. Like in Estes, there was like no more than 15 students per class, but it was doubled at Florence High School. And at first, it started out well for me. When I went to high school, I was a model student for a period of time with straight A's. And I was at first good with the crowds, but then my dark period of depression began and I kind of struggled to fit in again. Okay, so if I can, and you don't have to be too candid, like you don't need to share everything, but what, what drove you into that then downhill slide again? What happened was in 2013, I published my very first book, which was this, From Green Flags to Blue Flags, The Story of My Life. And it's a fictional tabloid story for humorous purposes based on my elementary school education. And I was asked to promote it at the transition conference in Scottsdale, Arizona. And I did a book signing there. And that was my being a model student and then doing that. I was on top of the world. And I couldn't have felt any better than I did in previous years. But then what happened was right when I came back from the conference, which was after autumn break, you know, I got abrupt notice that a paraprofessional of mine had resigned. And, you know, looking back, I was probably wrong to believe it. But, you know, she was a key reason as to why I became a successful student. And I didn't know at the time that everything was done on my own with support from her. But, you know, at, when she left, I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Because she was a key reason for my success. Yeah, wow. That, and, that, and so uh, that's such a good share. So this could happen to anyone. I mean, it's not necessarily saying just because you've got Asper Asperger's that it would do it. But, but having, um, having Asperger's and, and high functioning, that from what I understand, would have affected you way more believing, again, someone's left you alone and you may have thought they didn't care or, you know, they didn't even say goodbye to you. Did all that come into it and cause your downhill slide? To be honest, yes. I was a little bit disappointed that she didn't even reach out to at least say goodbye or wish me the best. But, you know... It is what it is, and you know, but at the time, that's when things went downhill. Afterwards, I got a paraprofessional that, you know, at first was good, but probably wasn't the best fit for me. And then in 2014 is when my dark period began and the depression yeah. began to show. Yeah. And um, were you still at school at the time, or was that close to when you left again to do uh, 
online schooling at home? Yeah. I stayed at the school up and from my freshman year, which was my first year, to my to the middle of my senior year. So yeah, the paraprofessional that I had after that particular one, you know, he did his best to help me, but we just didn't fit. It wasn't working. And I began struggling academically. And my depression kind of got to a point where I had another mental breakdown and I was hospitalized in Phoenix children's hospital for a few weeks. Wow. Oh man. How did, how old were you then? I would have been 16 at the time. Wow. 16. So you really got what was going on. How did that feel for you, Doug? You know, like really this must've been pushing you to the outer limits that you're definitely not like other people. There's something wrong with me. I'm having breakdowns. I'm in hospital. I'm not enjoying my teenage years. How did that leave you being in the hospital feeling that way? Well, I felt depressed when I was hospitalized. And when I was at the hospital, I was literally the oldest member of the group that I went to rehab with. And I was Mm. significantly older than them. And I had to watch television shows that I long outgrew, like Barney and the frickin' Teletubbies. (laughs) (laughs) And that did not do me any favors, but I was depressed. And it didn't really get better after the hospitalization. I had a tough senior year, and I was up in arms over how I was performing in my senior year. And my academics struggled so bad that I failed my first semester in my senior year, which normally meant that I wouldn't graduate, but I had completed all my credits. And so I was allowed to advance on a technicality. Okay. So that's, yeah, it's a tough story, man. Um, At what stage, uh, let's just share now, quickly jumping to the future. You're about to graduate on your online. University of the people. Yeah, well, so you've already graduated or it's happening very soon? It's happening soon. Oh, great. Oh, that's excellent, Doug. So at that age of 16, were you on, and you don't need to tell us what, but were you on any medication or is that when it started? I was on medications and they were good for calming me, but it caused me to, they caused me to kind of, develop a sleep disorder that kind of hurt my academics. And okay. and that was one of the things that the school complained about when I had my academic meeting. And, and in December of 15, we had our academic meeting and I was struggling to catch up with other students because the seniors were under different rules than the rest of them. I was like, guys, the rules are not where they need to be. I'm struggling because I can't keep up with your rules and your curriculum. And they were like, Mm. they were like, yeah, but we understand that, but we don't think you're where you need to be. And by that point it was December of 15 and there were no leaves on the trees. Like it's December. And we both were like, let's do online education for the rest of the year. Yeah. uh, That little analogy you gave then, and I'm not sure if that's where you're leading, but coming out of that meeting, realizing that, okay, I really don't fit here. It's, it is me. Right. Yeah. And then you're looking outside and seeing 
winter, no leaves on the trees, bare. Is that how you felt, like despair, dark, grey? Is that what you were getting at? Yeah, that's exactly how I felt. Wow. And so um, you did online schooling. How did that go for you at home? Did Was that better for you, not having to have the anxiety of mixing with, um, you know, schoolmates and teachers, etc.? Yeah, it, it, it was a lot better. And because of certain rules, I was allowed to still go to events such as prom and homecoming, which were oh. among which were among the greatest days of my life. And I was able to submit most of my assignments afterwards because of the burden I was under. But there were a couple of assignments that I did forget to submit and didn't understand. And so I kind of still struggled. And by the time that I graduated in, in May of 2016, I was just ready to be done with it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, right. Can I just skip back to the, uh, the proms? What was that like going to the prom after being out of school for so long and mixing with everyone? Did you feel any, I'm going to just say it straight out, did you feel any judgment eyes upon you? And I'm not saying everybody would be like that, but how was that for you, Doug, at the prom? I do remember seeing the photos of you in your, your suit. You looked amazing. Yeah, I, I pulled a Napoleon Bonaparte in that one <laughs> by posing like him, yeah. But yeah, prom was a lot of fun. There were some people that weren't happy to see me because of circumstances, but I mm. did get along with people for the most part, and some of them were happy to see me again. And mm. it, was, it was a lot of fun, and I won a $50 subway card for the way I danced. So that was fun. <laughs> oh, that's, that's great. Well, okay. So um, let's, let's just skip into that little area for a minute. And it's nothing to do with Subway. I love it. But overweight, when did you start, you know, like you, you now weigh 220 pounds, 210. You're aiming to get down to 190, I think you said. Is that correct? Correct. And you're at the gym training. You've got a personal trainer. Uh, you had a massive addiction to sugar and you ballooned out to 320 pounds. When did that start and how did that, or why did you start eating and getting the sugar craving? How did it make you feel mentally? Um, yeah, share with us. To tell you a little bit about that, in 2016, which was the worst year of my life, I, due to circumstances that you can read about in my book, I suffered a tremendous loss. And I was, that was when my depression was at a low point, when I was in rock bottom. And mm. I was so depressed that I turned to sugar to make me feel better, including mm. soda. And I began spending all of my resources and my money on soda and sugar and other sweets. And as time went on, I, I gained a lot of weight. Yeah, yeah. And you've done an amazing job now, Doug. It's like it's incredible. I just thought of something then. You'd mentioned something about your dogs at home. Again, this is, this is if I'm correct, when you're on a high-functioning level of autism, the smallest circumstance can drive you one way or the other to extreme excitement or to extreme lows, correct? Yeah. 
so what happened with the, your pets? You're an animal lover. You love dogs. What the story about your your dogs? What happened was in summer of 2014, one of the first bad things that happened to me was our dog got accidentally pregnant due to an accident. And we were excited, but at the same time, we were nervous because the doctor said that our dog wouldn't have survived a pregnancy. But she did, and she gave birth to like nine or eight puppies or something like mm. that. And all of them except one passed away after birth. And oh, I wow. was heartbroken. And how long did that last for you, Doug, that emotional feeling of that loss again? Probably lasted for a few months because yeah. I'm an animal lover. Mm, yeah. Okay, so what age were you then? About 17, 16, 17? 16. Okay. So, Doug, between 16... Uh, we started coaching very close to that time, didn't we? I think about 16 or 17 years old. I believe so, yeah. Mm, okay. Um, so can you share a little bit what have occurred when we met? And I didn't know too much about your history. Um, but just share that little story of you know what changed for you and we, we, we started coaching. What changed was... You know, after I graduated, I wanted to put the bad year behind me and I wanted to, and I, I went out on a journey to rediscover happiness. You know, I didn't want to wallow in the stink anymore. I wanted to feel happy again and enjoy life. And so, and I, you coached my brother, Harrison, and he mm -hmm. decided to move on with his life, you know, and I wanted to build a YouTube channel to, you know, promote myself and my, and my works of literature and all that. So I went up to my mom asking her if I can take over Harrison's sessions with you. And yeah, that's great. And you did. And Harrison, just so everyone is aware, he wanted to do acting coaching and we did it for a while, but it wasn't his interest and that's fine. And he's moved on. Um, it did cut out a little bit there, Doug. So just want to reiterate, you wanted to set up a YouTube channel to promote your, your books that you'd been writing. And I think we missed something. Which teacher was it that saw the talent in you for writing? It was my freshman English teacher, Mrs. Bird. She came from a military background. And early in my freshman year, which was my first year of high school, she went up to me and said, Hey, Doug, I heard from your parents that you like to write. I have connections to Amazon's publishing process and create space. Mm. How about I help you write and publish your first book? And I supervise it. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I have a chance to tell my story now. Wow, that's great. And you say she had a military it. background. Oh, that's the book. Yeah, just show it a bit closer so everyone can see it. Yeah. Oh, great. That's excellent, Doug. So let me be honest here. You sure you weren't a little scared because her having a military background, she came up and said, right, Doug, you can write and you better start writing now. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I was afraid at first that she was going to treat me like a drill instructor. Like, you think I'm cute, private piled? You think I'm funny? <laughs> I was uh, afraid about that at first. <laughs> that's cool. Um, okay, so during our, uh, our years of coaching, just so to be clear to people, it wasn't my view of coaching, it's only my view, 
is that it's about listening to your client and understanding where they want to go. And if I don't understand something, I research and then I'll pass it on to Doug. Now, all of us are capable of transformation. All of us are capable of dealing with our past. And again, I'll say it's not easy. It's not an easy road. It can take years. You might, if you need professional help, you go seek professional help. If it's just a mentor you want, you seek a mentor and surround yourself with, you know, like um, your tribe is your vibe or your vibe is your tribe, whatever it is. Surround yourself with the people who have the similar dream to you. And the thing is, Doug would have, completely got that he had to move out of his you know out of this comfort zone of uh which might sound a bit funny but his comfort zone of living in the anxiety and the depression and i'm not good enough and all these things happened doug got that he had to get out of that uncomfortable zone to get into a zone and just put that behind him and really grit his teeth and get into start writing and how you you've written eight books we're working on your eighth one but the seven books you did prior was all on your own accord, right? That's right. So you uh, have written eight books. The eighth one we're doing together. It's a science fiction book. The other seven you've done by yourself. And I do remember one particular book you wrote. It was the, a story in the book of Moses. 520 pages. You completed that in one month. That's a pretty big achievement. Um, you also did a competition at school, I think. Can you explain that one where you, uh, you know, really overdid yourself there? Yeah, to tell you a little bit about that, in my sophomore year of high school, which was my second year, I did NaNoWriMo, which was a challenge for grading purposes. The concept of NaNoWriMo is to write a 50,000-word book in a single month. And I not only succeeded, but I did 200,000 words. Wow. And I was the only student at the high school to not only write the book, but actually publish it. That's great. And so you found a little niche for yourself because um, you, you, you know for a fact at the moment you've said to me that you're not going to fit into a, a regular working job because it's still a little difficult for you to, um, you know, get into that area of, of jobs and working, right? We understand that. So instead of causing the anxiety of going, oh, well, what am I going to do? You found a niche of being an author, and we've already said how successful that's going, and it's going to get bigger and better over the years. I mean, I'm pretty sure you're going to be earning a decent income from your books, but you're also going to be helping other people, right? Yeah, for sure, and I'm looking forward to doing that. So, Doug, that's an amazing journey, and, of course, this – uh, has been a very short period um, to share someone's life story. If we had to do the whole lot, we'd probably be here for six months. But I think the viewers, uh, everyone's got a general idea of what you, you went through and what you dealt with. Let's get to now, how do you keep yourself on track? Because it would be very easy for you to go back slip back and hit the anxiety, depression, start drinking, you know, sugary drinks again. What keeps you on track? What do you do? First of all, you know, I need a mentor in my life. And you're a very good mentor for me. We work together very well. And I have the support of my parents and my brother and my family for the most part. And I also... If I'm tempted to slip back into my sugar addiction, I go outside and take a walk 
and listen to music while I take a walk. Mm. That makes me feel happy. And, you know, at the same time, if, if I struggle with anxiety, it's the same thing. I go outside and take a walk and work it all off. Yeah, that's great. And also the personal training at the gym. I mean, there's another mentor in your life. Might only be 30 minutes a day, but that would mean so much to you because now you're stepping into that area. You've got positive people around you, people who want to see you grow. You know you can grow. You've already proved it, like where you are with your, your writing and your, your, the books that you've done. So, But the thing is, Doug, it's still not easy, is it? It's still you have to get up and grit your teeth, fight the bullet and get up every day and not let those negative thoughts take over. And sometimes they are strong and sometimes like, oh, well, but getting out of the house, just getting out in the sunlight uh, or calling someone on the phone, having a chat or whatever, it all helps, right? Yep. And just before I left Estes, a good friend of mine that I'm still connected with, he went through a rough spot and... I gave him some advice before leaving Estes that basically said, if you hug the cactus long enough, you know, eventually you'll grow up and turn into a very successful man. And that <laughs> advice helped him. In fact, he partly credited me for the advice that I gave him that got him to win his scholarship after high school. And I asked in return that, the, that he helps the next guy. And I didn't know at the time that the next guy was probably going to be me because of what I went through. And, wow. and you know, the thing is, you know, I hugged the cactus for a period of time. And when there's a challenge like withdrawal from ca from caffeine and sugar, you know, mm. I have to grit my teeth, bite the bullet and then get on with it when it's over. Oh, wow, Doug, that's just so inspiring. And so, Thank you. And look, that's the end of you know our first introductory session. But what I want to do is share with everybody, first of all, applaud you for being so honest and you know the support of the people around you, um, your family, your parents, it's great. And you for just being relentless and unstoppable, which is the basis of this whole 10-part series. And I want to share with the viewers quickly our, our second episode uh, next week on the 29th. We'll have Richard Norton, who will share his story of how he got to where he is now. Now, Richard's worked uh, with some incredible martial artists and his journey of like there was, his childhood was absolutely fine. It was just choices he made that if he didn't make him, he said he would never have been doing what he's doing now. We have Kit Dale on, who I've already mentioned, uh, two times world champion in jiu-jitsu, still mentoring, still coaching, uh, still supporting people. Then we have other guests, uh, friends of mine who uh, I'm an ambassador to one particular group uh, called uh, Beacon Fight for Life, which is a mental health and suicide prevention awareness nonprofit. Uh, Troy Coward has an incredible story of what he's been through. And I mean, this, this was a worldwide news uh, on Today Tonight in Australia, um, and it spread around YouTube so quickly what he went through, but I'll leave that for Troy to to uh, share his story and many other people, even some people that, uh, you know, just ordinary people living their life, but they've gone through something as simple as a breakup in a relationship that took them down this dark hole uh, and how they came out of it and their success now. And I'm, I'll say again, none of this is easy. And sometimes 
it, it doesn't work for you and that's when you definitely need to get professional help and you need to seek that out because there is always, there's always hope, there's always light at the end of the tunnel. There's no magic quotes here. It's tough, it's hard, but you can do it because I've seen so many people do it. I got out of the rut that I was in, which led me to doing this, which I never in my life dreamed of. I would ever be doing this. And Doug's truest words there, we can all be a stand for somebody else to help somebody else see the greatness in them. So I thank you all for watching. Thank you, Doug, for inviting us onto your YouTube channel, Doug Movie Maker 55. And you are a champion, my man, champion. Thanks, Andy. I really appreciate it. And we'll keep doing these in the future. Yes, looking forward to it. But remember, we've got 10 episodes over 10 weeks, so please tune in. Uh, this was the longest one because we wanted to share Doug's story. The rest usually go for about 20 minutes. All right, everybody. Say thanks to my coach, Andy McPhee. And please join us next week with Richard Norton, who's going to appear in our next episode and tell his amazing story. And please hit like and subscribe to my YouTube channel, Movie Maker Doug 55.